I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 360. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week's song, Graves Into Gardens by Elevation Worship, is a popular song on the radio and in worship sets in churches today, and I can't wait to use it to inspire us to dive into scripture, because no matter how popular and catchy this song is, the words of truth and life are found in God's word. Hopefully they're reflected in the songs we sing, but we should never use our music to replace our time in God's word. It can enhance it. Of course it can. And on a really good day, it can remind us of what we've studied there. And that is the goal of our podcast today. So before we dive into God's word, let's listen. message of the chorus is that there's nothing better than our Lord. The bridge we just heard is the lyricist's proof that God is indeed amazing and transformative and that nothing compares with him. And before we jump into scripture together, I want to speak to our goal as we approach scripture. I've often said this on the podcast and really more often in emails as those of you reach out to me, but my prayer for you is that God will give you an unreasonable desire for his word that leads to an unsurpassable relationship with him. He is our goal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He is our goal, more and more of him. And in this hashtag hustle society that we live in, we sometimes place a greater value in achieving than being. We would rather amass than abide. And so we approach, we approach scripture in this same way. W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? 
Well, my friend, there's a lot in it for you, but that should not be our priority. As God, as Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the rest is added, right? But our priority must be our Father and his kingdom. And so my prayer as I approach scripture this week was not some amazing take on scripture that I could share with you, uh, but rather my prayer was that my time in God's word would lead me to him. And I prayed that the way that um, I prayed that the way I think would be transformed. And I prayed that I what I, I could learn something new there. Because our God indeed turns graves into gardens and bones into armies and seas into highways. And I'll be sure to see these kinds of things in my life if I make sure my life is hidden in his. So taking inspiration from the lyrics of the song, I was drawn to this phrase, mourning to dancing and beauty for ashes. And I knew similar phrasing was found in Isaiah because we spent some time in Isaiah chapter 61 way back in episode 282. But when I did a quick phrase search online, and it was as simple as just putting like morning to dancing scripture in Google. Now, just make sure when you do this um, and when you when you do these searches that you have the discipline to immediately head over to that scripture rather than articles about the scripture. Right. So it pulled up Psalm 30, verse 11. It says, you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. All right, perfect. So now I have a place to go in scripture. And uh, in keeping with the Holy Spirit's admonishment to me, let's use the Bible interaction tool exercise of starting with God. And I call my Bible interaction tool exercises bites, uh, B-I-T-E. And the bites I used this week are to consider the historical background of the psalm. And then as I interact with the psalm, start with God ask questions, and make a list, okay? So in order to take the bite of considering the historical context of the psalm, and and remember, I looked it up and I found a verse, Psalm 30, verse 11. So that sent me to Psalm 30. So that's gonna be my landing place for my study. I'm not gonna try to take that verse out of context, and I'm really not intending to try to pick apart the song. Uh, I'm using the song as an inspiration jumping off point, okay? And so uh, in order to take the bite of considering the historical context of the psalm, it's best if you have some sort of study Bible. There are online study Bible, I mean, there are online resources, um, but I find that the actual study Bibles are pretty rich in resources. I like my ESV study Bible. So I hopped over to the introduction to the Psalms. And there is where I learned a lot about the Psalms in general. Things like the English title Psalms comes from the Greek word psalmos, which means song. But the Hebrew name for the book is Tehillim. I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, meaning praises. Or uh, I learned this too, 73 Psalms attribute David as the author, including Psalm 30 that we're going to be studying today. I also learned that 14 of the Davidic Psalms add further information into their titles, connecting the Psalm to a specific incident in David's life. For example, Psalm 30, the Psalm that we're going to be studying, has a title, the Psalm of David. All right. So already there establishes David as the author. And then it says, a song at the dedication of the temple. 
which by the way is not a specific incident in David's life because that happened after he died. So we don't we're not really sure if he wrote this psalm um and it is tied to a different event or if he wrote it in preparation for um the dedication of the temple or something like that. But again, this once we read the psalm together, you might agree, by the way, that this song doesn't seem like a temple dedication song at all. Which leads me to the introductory statements for this particular psalm, and this is what it said in my ESV study Bible. It says, the theme of the whole psalm, Psalm 30, is one of personal thanksgiving for God's repeated care and deliverance over the course of a life. The title makes the concrete situation of David's experience the background, and the worshipers can liken their own experiences to his I love that. Now, isn't that what we do uh, with historical narratives as well, or even memoirs that we read, non-scriptural or uh, non-scriptural things? We observe very concrete details in the life of someone, and yet we can empathize with some or all of those details, and then translate that into worshiping God from the same place. So we didn't necessarily have to go through exactly what David has gone through to be able to empathize with some of his feelings about those things and therefore worship him from that same place, worship God from that same place the way David did. All right, so let's move on to the bite of starting with God. So when you start with God, what are the best questions to ask? Well, questions about him, of course. (laughs) So I consistently go back to a resource I read back in 2017. It was a book titled Asking the Right Questions by Matthew Harmon. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes, and you can find those at michellekneesat.com forward slash 360. Now, Matthew Harmon suggests that we start with God. He, He agrees with me and suggests that when asking, what do I learn about God first, that we should look for these things, his character, so what is God do, uh, who God is and what he's like, his conduct, what is he doing, and his concerns, what things or events or people is he, are he concerned about, okay? What people is he concerned about? So I'm going to keep these questions in mind as I approach Psalm 30, and then I'm, let's go ahead and read it together. It's a pretty short Psalm, and then I want to share my interactions with you so that you can duplicate them on your own and even uh, expand them. So it says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, has made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You've turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. All right, so keeping the observations of God's character, conduct, and concerns in mind, I decided to go ahead and take a piece of paper and make three columns, one for character, one for conduct, and one for concerns. 
And then I used the bite of making a list in each of the three columns. So I reread the psalm and I logged in the appropriate column everything I learned. And at the end of this process, I discovered the majority of this song was about the Lord's conduct, as well as the conduct of David. But I was really only looking for what I could learn about God. Okay. Uh, There was one reference to God's character being holy in verse four. um, And so I logged that as well. Uh, I also think that although the word is not directly mentioned, you can see that God is merciful. All right. You can see this in these parallel thoughts in verses five and six. Let me let me go ahead and reread those to you. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. So anger, moment, favor, lifetime, weeping, night, joy, morning. And so while there is, uh, or anger and favor are the uh, are the, the opposing ones, moment and lifetime, weeping and uh, joy, night and morning. Okay, so those are the, the examples. So while there is clearly judgment, mercy wins. So I went ahead and put merciful in the character column, even though the specific word is not mentioned in the psalm. And I think that's going to be important for us because you can start with words that are specifically in the text, but then of course you can read this the, the text for its actual content. I can see God's mercy displayed in his conduct in this psalm, even though that even though David did not choose to use that word specifically in this psalm. And I know it's it's consistent with his uh, character as described in other places of scripture. So I went ahead and put merciful in the conduct uh, in the character column as well. Now the conduct column is the primary list again in this psalm. And here's my list of God's conduct toward David. He lifted David up. He kept enemies from triumphing over David. He healed David. He saved David from death. Uh, by the way, so when it says Sheol and the pit, those are all places of death um, synonyms for the grave um, or or death. And so when you, in this specific psalm, when you see that, that's what it means. Depending on the translation you're reading, uh, you might get a little confused if you saw that. Uh, he God displayed anger and he displayed favor. God caused David to stand strong and he also hid his face from David. He turned David's lament into dancing and he removed his mourning clothes and he clothed David with gladness. And all of these, of course, uh, like removing the mourning clothes and clothing with, with gladness are metaphors. Um, I don't think that God physically appeared in David's room and took off his mourning clothes, uh, mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and put on clothes of gladness. I don't even know what clothes of gladness are. Okay, so that's a lot. That's a lot of conduct. And if all we do is sing about our morning turn to dancing, right, because that's listed in our song, and we never see the rest of this, Oh my goodness, we would have missed out. So this is why it's so important to get inspired and then go sit in God's word. God's word holds so much more uh, richer truths than our lyrics could ever hold because the song is not intended to do that, right? So it's a it's an expression of praise. It is a piece of art. Um, it is it is beautiful, but it does not replace scripture. Finally, in the concerns column, I wrote that God has concern for his faithful ones Because that overall truth, again, is implied and is concretely displayed in the life of David. God's conduct was a direct benefit to David. So to act in these ways in our lives, so for for example, for God to heal us or to keep our enemies from triumphing over us or to display his anger or his favor, all of these things would be in keeping with God's conduct and his character. All right. 
So once we learn about God, now we need to ask how that should affect how we relate to God. Now, remember, our goal is God himself, a robust relationship with him. And all of these things, and then all of these things will be added. So again, we're I love this psalm is full of his conduct. And I think sometimes our tendency is to want to declare or claim those things in our lives. And of course, it, God may choose to display those in our lives. But our goal should be God himself. And then the rest comes. So in this step, we're looking for things to praise and thank God for. We're also looking for sin to confess and repent. And then finally, we are looking for promises and truths to believe. All right. Well, our song does a really good job of calling out two parts of what we learn about uh, about God here. He turns mourning into dancing and he gives beauty for ashes. And our psalm specifically says that he removes our mourning clothes and he replaces them with gladness. And so, again, there's more and more and more uh, to use as our springboard for praise. Okay, so go ahead and use that list of God's conduct as a springboard for praise. Then we look for sin to confess and to repent. And remember, uh, David, this is a psalm of David, but we can liken our own experiences to the life of David. And so let me go first. Uh, Verses six and seven says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by your favor. O Lord, you made my mountain stand. You made me a mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. All right. So security made David feel invincible. And I have to confess that it sometimes does the same for me. I confess that I put my trust in my prosperity and not just financial prosperity, but prosperity in my friendships, uh, prosperity in um, even God's revelation or my understanding and more. But it's God's favor that makes us immovable like a mountain. When scripture says you hid your face, um, it's an idiom for the absence of divine favor. In other words, it's God's favor that makes us strong not the benefits of that favor, you know? And so this is an area that I need to confess and repent in often. And you may find other examples um, as you study this psalm. When you discover sin to confess and the need for repentance, don't delay. Bring it into the light of God's mercy and grace. All right, then finally, as we're learning how to relate to God in what we're studying, we look for promises and truths to believe. I wasn't going to leave that part out. We just don't lead with it, okay? And so it comes. It's a beautiful part of being children of God, and it comes in due time. Uh, In this psalm, there are principles of truth. There are codes of conduct that if God performed for David, would not be out of the realm of possibility that he would perform for you too. So again, we see God's healing. We see saving David from death. We see his anger ceasing and showing of his favor. God listens in this psalm. He is gracious and he is our helper. And so ultimately, like our song sings about, if he turned David's lament into dancing and removed his sackcloth and clothed him with gladness, we can ask him to do the same for us. So if we are embedded in sorrow and grief, for example, We see it as in keeping with God's character to remove that from us. And so that is a promise or truth that we can um, relate to God in this moment. And when he does that, when he does remove that sorrow and grief, when he does clothe us with gladness, I hope, like David, that we can't remain silent. I, I pray we sing to him and praise him forever because there's nothing better than our God. 
And there's a, a bit of further study that you can do uh, to use our song um, to inspire you. Okay, so I love all the transformations that our song sings about in the bridge. We've already talked about mourning to dancing and beauty for ashes specifically comes from Isaiah 61. But it's implied here again in Psalm 30, of course, as we've discussed. But Jesus Christ himself turned shame into glory. You could explore places like Hebrews chapter 12 or others that talk about that. You can read about bones turning into armies from an account in Ezekiel chapter 37. You can see seas turning into highways um, in Exodus 14 and Joshua chapter 3. But I just want to take one brief moment to consider the title of the song, Graves into Gardens. And I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 61. And I want you to read through the entire chapter. And I want you to discover some of those transformations listed in this text, uh, many of which are referenced in the song, by the way. And I want you to keep in mind that God does indeed turn graves into gardens. And we've already been considering how God brought David's life up from the pit of death, from the grave. But when God does that for us, he's not just sparing us, he's planting us. In fact, in verse 3 of Isaiah 61, it says this over the Lord's people, And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. We have been spared from the grave to be planted by the Lord. But for what purpose? Well, we see it in verse 11. Isaiah 61, 11 says, For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden enables what is sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. We are righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him and to be an example to the nations. God does that, and he's the only one who can. So what's next? We'll spend some time in Psalm 30 and Isaiah 61 this week. Try starting with God as you interact with the text. Seek where you can learn more about his character, his conduct, and his concerns. Identify some of the transformations we sing about in our song that are directly reflected in these texts. But don't stop there. Pray and listen for what God wants you to learn from his word. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. Hop on Twitter at Michelle Nizat or Instagram at Michelle Nizat. Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You are never too late to jump in. So just submit your name and email address at michellekneesat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Valerie from Alabama, Courtney from Florida, Camelia from Belgium. I've probably mispronounced that name. I'm so sorry. And Brittany from Texas, Anne from Massachusetts, Lindsay from Indiana, and Lloyd from Hawaii. Welcome. And new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. You will also get the show notes or an email recap of the week's episode right in your inbox. No further steps. You get instant access to some of the extra resources that I uh, make for t- from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, this not only encourages me, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. 
Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, or you can follow on Spotify or Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Truth Be Told by Matthew West to point us to scripture. This was a request by my listeners, Debbie and her husband. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it uh, with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 360. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.